Today I'm speaking to Lars Stegelman. Lars is an engineer. He's a friend who I met 12 years ago now, uh, en route to a friend's wedding in California. They asked if I would drop by and pick him up. I was coming from San Francisco airport and we were driving up to Marin County. So I picked up Lars and we had a grand time uh, snacking and uh, drinking beer. Not the driver, just uh, the passenger on the way up to the wedding and it was it was brilliant so I've seen him a few times since then and um, he was living for a long time in Kingston Ontario where he was working for Bombardier who are uh, aeroplane and train manufacturers so he's an engineer by background he's a logical thinker and I was kind of interested in how the current uh, crisis I guess if you call it that is affecting um, that aspect of his work and I also was interested in what it was like to be back in Germany after a long period away. So Lars and his wife and three children arrived back in Germany last summer, uh, summer 2019. And so I asked him first about uh, how things have been going. Well, uh, well first of all, um, we, we, as I said, we moved from little rural town to a big city like Berlin. So the advantage of, a, of this move is, of course, that you have a lot of culture around you and things and people from all over the world you can meet and do stuff all the time, which, um, which is gone now. So um, we are uh, since March, Seventh, I think I, I don't know exactly. We are in. We're stuck at home. We're allowed to go shopping. You're allowed to take a run in the morning, but uh, until this Monday, you were not allowed um, to travel around to to neighboring um, inter-German states. You can't travel to, to other countries yet. And uh, yeah, that's the thing. So the life is uh, in many countries is between or behind the uh, front door of our flat here. And we are lucky because mm -hmm. we are, <clears throat> we are, it's not like Spain or Italy where you're not allowed to move at all. We can move and we have a, a fairly decent uh, size flat. Uh, it's in, um, uh, a juvenile um, style. I don't know what it is the right expression in English, but it's uh, the style they built houses like a hundred years ago with very high ceilings, big rooms. From today it would be oversized, but uh, this is good. So the rooms are big. Everybody has a place to hide. Although we are five people, and so that works fairly well. So <clears throat> I'm trying to say that. Yeah, in, the, in this sad and bad situation, we're we're well off because yeah. we're not lacking yeah. anything. The kids have have to use all the old uh, devices to be in school, and all this works. But um, the longer this period is, the the more you um, you you're waiting for the moment to be able to move again. And 
this is when we, Jan and I, when we discuss this, this is actually the biggest risk at the moment. Everything's working well, and uh, this uh, famous curve is flattened and, and it's working fine. But now we're everybody's waiting for the moment where people say, okay, you can go out again and travel and meet people. And then, of course, everybody that has been waiting for this is going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you people will be all over the place, camping and uh, sleeping outside, going to bars like never before. And what happens then, right? And um, this is a little bit of a unclear situation. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's, yeah, that's that's how it is all over the world, right? And uh, so it makes it makes you feel okay because everybody's in this situation. If you'd be, um, let's say you're in a special situation, you just lost your job and you have to stay at home um, <clears throat> because you don't have any money, no place to go and need to type in applications all the time, then it's only your personal situation at that very point. But now we're all in this and uh, yeah, all around the globe. So that's, uh, that's the interesting part about it. Yeah, how how has it felt for you um, as a as a family, right? So, normally, um, do you both go out of the house to work? I I usually do. I um, actually my main workplace is outside the city where they produce trains, and there's another office inside the city where I frequently go to, and I can take my bike there, which I do like three days a week and the rest I go outside. But I do have a job that is uh, rather strategic and uh, computer-based. So I'm part of these people. What, what's, your, what's, your, what's your title? Um, manager of uh, global operations. So whatever that is, I'm okay. in Bombardier has uh, 30 something major production sites around the world. And of course, there's a need to yeah, gather the knowledge and um, the intelligence and to spread it out and to make sure initiatives and projects are ongoing um, on, a, yeah, on a global basis, which means that everything I do I can do it in office because I want to see um, people face to face and I want to see the production every once in a while, but there's no need to do this. So from the very first minute, I was okay to stay at home and the whole team as well, because I'm on the phone uh, all the time anyway. Right. So again, um, I'm part of the lucky group that is not exposed to any risk. My family's at home. Nobody's at risk. Uh, we're just stuck in this place. <laughs> And, and yeah, as you remember, we're five. Uh, so Marlene, the oldest one, she's 10, almost 11. So she's fifth grader. Then we have a third grader. And then we have um, a kindergarten baby, you know, the small one. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the yeah, fifth grade, I think, is... Uh, fairly organized, uh, knows what to do, things come in, and uh, if it's on the computer, they, she got adjusted to the system of yeah, getting a, an email task and then finishing it and emailing back into 
some channel. And then, yeah, and a little third grade is uh, still struggling because uh, distraction is um, is easily made because she's a kid and uh, there's still a need to play. And uh, if, uh, if you sit alone in your room at the eight or age of eight and something interesting comes up, like maybe your little sister wants to play with dolls and and you play with dolls mm -hmm. as well, and you forget about uh, math and all that stuff. So um, you need to constantly support, and then of course the little one uh, needs some um, almost constant attention. And I think this is probably what you're doing right now, right? Yeah. And how have you been feeling yourself, you personally? Well, I I, I miss my my colleagues. I, I'm, I, even though this job is uh, yeah, global organization on the phone, uh, you need, um, I need uh, the, the, this part of the day where you just uh, sit back with the coffee and then you discuss what, whatever is happening uh, because that brings you forward. So being in home office, uh, for more than one day, which I had before, I thought, okay, this uh, can be nice and can be very productive, and it was. Then there's a, the, this phase where um, the feeling, okay, it's not productive at all because I'm getting distracted as well by stuff and I get involved. Of course, if you go to work and you work, you don't get involved and stuff at home at all. If you're at home, uh, it feels, uh, feels bad if you don't get involved at least a little bit. You can just sit in your room because the moment you go outside, you're part of this game. So <laughs> and then you start being less productive. And uh, so it's this up and down. Of course, you need to get used to it. And there are people um, that work from home all the time. But uh, I think um, I'd, uh, I'd have a hard time switching over totally. And then there's another, there's another twist that is really interesting that just came to my mind is that um, you are at home, you have actually more time because you can sleep longer in the morning because you can just hop into your little office corner at 7.55 and you're on time. <clears throat> And then you think, okay, in the evening I can make a lot of phone calls and you can chat with everybody in the world because the systems are there and everybody's at home. But uh, yeah, let's let's take our common friend, uh, Casey, friends Casey and Sage. Uh, we haven't communicated that much uh, because it's um, everybody is kind of busy with what they're doing at home. <laughs> even though there should be more room to communicate and, and keep it up. So that's, um, uh, there's a downside as well, which is just uh, something that needs to be organized as well. So still in the process of uh, getting the maximum out of it. <laughs> How would you characterize, so you have, um systems right you have systems um for production how do those vary from culture to culture right 
and and how do you manage that? Well, and then I think this is is uh, that's a good question. How do you manage this? And in the end, um, I would say they need to all be managed locally. You know, you cannot exchange um, or export the German system everywhere. You cannot export the Mexican system everywhere because they are different people. You cannot say one is um, better or, or worse or more productive or less productive. They all have their ups and downs. And, um, you need to integrate that stuff. And uh, if you if you plan a project and uh, these corporate projects always um, go from country to country and involve people from all over the world, you need to um, consider that, right? And, uh, and that's, that's the tricky part, but it's what makes it interesting and what makes the work um, worthwhile and, and um, interesting. Right, it's it's of course a stressful thing to do sometimes because uh, there's a lot of pressure in big corporations when things don't work and they need to get uh, get going. But um, I like the interaction. Right? We have yeah. uh, there's uh, there's a site in Australia as well. There's a lot in Singapore and in China, of course, and then Middle East, uh, Russia, Northern Europe, Southern Europe, and then England and. Mexico, USA, Canada, Brazil, and so so all over the place. Uh, of course, I haven't seen all these places, but um, uh, everybody needs public transportation. And, um, has the coronavirus crisis, like, how has that impacted manufacturing and production capacity for you? Yeah, well. Um, Public transportation is, uh, well, I would say a little less affected than automobile um, uh, manufacturers because uh, you always have, um, you have, a, let's say you have a contract for 100 cars here and there, and then you need to finish that uh-huh. and deliver it. Yeah. It's not um, the, the guy that goes to a car dealer buys or doesn't buy if he doesn't go. Right. So um, uh, I think we're a little better off. Of course, uh, nowadays, all these uh, international supply chains uh, are geared in so much that if there's uh, maybe just uh, one screw coming from from China and it's late or not coming, it uh, might mess up the whole um, product because can't deliver a locomotive if there's uh, yeah and, and is that missing. actually does that actually play out in real life then well yeah there's a, there are tons of um, production planners on the shop floors right now that trying to figure out how can we optimize our production with what we have right you finish this but you can finish that and then you pull this one forward and then you push this one back that's what people do. And again, it's not that bad yet, but I think uh, it's, um, we'll feel it more and more coming up. Right? Like, like the uh, mass producers uh, are already feeling it uh, because uh, the mass is not coming over. But um, yeah, in my business, it's still all right. But it will affect yeah. for yeah. sure. 
And nobody really knows how, right? So that's, that's, uh, you'll, for sure, you'll need a lot of uh, <laughs> um, flexibility. Right. Yeah. And, and are you able to manage the stress of those kinds of difficulties quite well? When you have three three kids bouncing around the house as well, um, so far yes. Because you know it's interesting because one of the one of the things that I, I I don't have that kind of stress that that you would have from work, right? Because I um I haven't been working for most of the time that I've been here in Australia. So yeah. So th that sort of um, interaction between the outside world of pressures and then the internal world of pressures that come that are you know family based. Right, and how those two worlds uh, rub up against one another is one of the uh, one of the big challenges right, in anybody's life at the best of times. It is, it is, it is. It, it, well, yeah, for sure, and no doubt, it is quite a challenge. And sometimes it's um, it's a little rough, and you you need to run out and uh, have a phone call with your boss. Uh, and and uh, leave questions unanswered from your little one. Is that the right thing to do, or should you leave your boss waiting or call him back? And I think this is a special thing that um, um, the work-life balance is experiencing at the moment as well. Is so that um, it's much more accepted that you, since you work from home, or many people work from home, that you're. You say, okay, I, sorry, I need to um, get out of the phone conference. I have a little issue here. I have to explain something. I have to go to my um, homeschooling here. And and people do not complain because everybody is in that situation. Yeah, And that's, that's special. And it, it might be a nice and good takeaway of this uh, phase as well that, um, yeah, work-life balance is considered differently. There's already a, the, um, a minister in Germany um, uh, thinking out loud about um, why shouldn't we um, incorporate a right to do home office for everybody. Uh -huh. right? that, you, that you just stay home if you can, whenever you want. I mean, if you're... Um, Hack bolting the the car bodies for the train, you need to go in, no doubt. But if you if you if you work in finances and you're just crunching numbers all the time, you can do that from home. You should have the right to be where you are. And um, I mean, this is just one idea coming out of it. But I think in general, the perception and the acceptance of um, people having kids and needing to um, go away to take care of the kids is, is getting better, that's for sure. And, and do you think then that, that, that a, similar, a, a similar sort of paradigm shift will have to happen in terms of those supply chains that you were talking about? For sure. I mean, um, we're, we're talking about a lot about um, the need for for those masks right now in every um, uh, Western country and uh, those, the, uh, the, masks, did you say? Yeah, the masks and, and, and 
these countries, yeah. of course, have difficulties producing them themselves, even though it's a very easy stitch. <laughs> it's only straight lines, so yeah, everybody can do it themselves. But um, um, the mass production is, of course, in Southeast Asia, and this is where stuff is stuck if you if you don't get it anymore. And um, the big question resulting out of this is: Okay, should we um, make sure? the supply chain in our local area is supported more that we don't rely that much on, on stuff being from far away yes it might be a little more expensive but it gives you more stability and more quality in the end uh, i think that debate is healthy and refreshing and uh, it will come up and um, if you go beyond masks and easy, easy stuff, uh, why not uh, consider um, their components for entire trains as well that are being shipped around the, the globe? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah. is, that is coming up. I mean, we had that already on the agenda when um, the, the so-called public-private partnerships or um, state orders um, for trains would claim local content, you know, the famous Buy American Act and uh, Canada had this and even um, Mideast countries uh, claiming this and right. Europe and Australia I think has it as well. So in, in, to, in a certain extent, everybody's thinking about um, involving locals already and that was um, pre-corona and now past corona, I think it's going to pick up more and more. And I think it's not that bad. I mean, it shouldn't be that you just close borders and you put crazy taxes on stuff to prevent this. You should make sure that your, uh, your production is ready as well. Yeah, but, um, they, they they do make a big uh, a big show here that all the trains are are marked as being made in Victoria for use in Victoria. Um, are are those typically? Um, I I've never even really looked to see if they're produced by by Bombardier or. Um, but one of the interesting things that I did notice when I first got a train here was that I was sitting on the train and going into Melbourne and <clears throat> the sound of the train d down to the last acoustics the very down to the most minute acoustics were exactly the same as the train that I used to take in Scotland when I was um, commuting from uh, Stirling down to Edinburgh when I was working at the BBC um, exactly the same the engine sound the cadence of the engine the cadence of the doors everything and I just, it blew me away i was like could, this must be exactly the same train could be a, a copy paste so, i mean it is possible just, there's a this we have this plan in derby and uh, we have uh, in, in is it called dunandong or so in australia and for sure country um they work close together anyway so there for sure is a lot of interaction, and and we're we're talking. It uh, at the time we're talking. It's just what six six thirty on um, April the twenty eighth in Melbourne, and it's um, 
10.30 in Berlin right. um, on Monday the 27th. Uh, what's the current state of of your uh, lockdown then? Is there um, a phased easing of things? Is that what is that where where you're at? Yeah, the first ease came uh, actually uh, this week, uh, where shops are allowed to open, other than um, gas stations and grocery stores. So anything that's below, um, I think, three hundred square meters can open. You need to follow the rules right. of keeping the distance, but the big um, <clears throat> shops uh, that are above 300 uh, square meters, Walmart and all these guys, they, they are supposed to stay close because it's difficult to control that people don't uh, bump into each other, which of course is, a, is, is worth a discussion as well, because if there's more room in the store, you can... Uh, avoid bumping into people instead of the small <laughs> corner shops. <Yeah. laughs> so, but, but you have people lined up in front of a bakery and the baker put out little um, stripes on the street and marked, okay, what is the distance to keep? And, and, and so this is starting. And the students that are in classes where you are about to graduate in Germany, you graduate after fourth grade into the next kind of school, and then after 10th grade, and then after 13th grade, and those are back to school um, because they need to get to a certain point and have less time to catch up. So it's it's going step by step, and so yeah, you have to review what's um, really happening and what is the impact. but. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's it's tiring to to watch news about experts uh, looking at statistics and uh, interpretation of statistics that can go left, right, up, down. So I stopped that more or less. Mm -hmm. So you're the only person I'm talking to, except my colleagues today. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so this is often where um, these conversations start to hit uh, hit a wall, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in my experience, which is that everyone has this uh, has this experience and and their reflections on on isolation and um, um, but for some reason, at some point. Um, it, it's almost like we're we're all kind of waiting to see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Because um, no one quite knows how the new reality will be configured at this point. And you know, when you say that you're you get tired watching the news and stuff, I mean, part of what's difficult about that for me is that this um, endless amounts of of speculation yeah. about. Yeah. Um, nothing will ever be the same again, or things will get back to normal, or this is just going to be, you know, in six months, it'll be just like it was last February, or, you know, and, and it'll all be forgotten. And there's, there's all this kind of speculative talk, and, and none of us really know what it's going to be like. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of how we how we live anyway. Like, nobody really knows what the next day is going to look like in, in normal circumstances, but, but somehow the... Changed reality is um, 
is kind of unknowable at this point. Right. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> but about what can you do? Um, uh, you you just need to wait for this. And is there a, a, um, a proper way to do it? A proper way to wait? I think uh, we'll all be smarter next year. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm How sure. I'm sure it's not. Uh, sorry, let me just finish. The, I'm sure it's not right to not watch the news at all. But um, sometimes I think um, pandemias like this. Uh, did happen in the past, in the very past as well. People didn't know what was happening and they just um, did hide for a while, maybe for years, maybe for a lifetime, and then life went on. Um, with all that information yeah, we have, can we, can we really make it differently? Yeah, well, I, I think that there's something to be said for managing how much information you expose yourself to, I suppose, <clears throat> particularly since um, part of the, I guess, part of the the role of the social interactions that we're not able to have at the minute is that it helps to it helps to diffuse the tension that comes with all the information that's coming in. You know, you can sit in front of a screen and um, watch news conferences for you know three hours. Um, and watch health officials talking about um, likely courses of this and likely trajectories of that and so on. But, um, you know, going out and actually talking to somebody who lives next door or, like you say, having a coffee with, in person with somebody helps to sort of, I don't know how to, how, it's like a it's like an electrical system that needs to kind of run to earth. You know, you need other people to help you. Mm -hmm. yeah. For me, anyway, I need other people to help me kind of stay, stay stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that is that is something that's uh, something that's missing. At times, at times I'm consciously aware of it. At other times, I just have a feeling of a vague unease. Um, but for me, that's part of the human condition, I suppose. Vague unease. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a single thing that you think when I get the chance, the first thing I'm going to do is go and, go and get a pint? from somewhere or is it um do you have like a like a list of things you desperately want to do well having a pint of beer outside in the sun and it's really sunny in germany right now and uh, it's really nice out this is probably one of the first things if it's a pint or if it's a coffee something sitting outside in a, in a bar or a cafe it's probably yeah one of the first things to do and then of course yeah, meeting people and uh, going to um, yeah, seeing seeing a show, even if it's just uh, the one guitar player, one man show. <laughs> anything. I I listen to country music. Give me anything. <laughs> just <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's just uh, the other part. Um, Everybody's missing the other part of life. I mean, there are people that are make cracking jokes now and saying, uh, if once this Corona thing is going to be over, I'm I'm going to stay home for two weeks because I don't want to see the. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll stay home for two weeks because yeah. um, once the kids get to school, I'll be exhausted. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just enjoy uh, going back to bed when I drop them off. Lars Stegelman is an engineer and a friend of mine, and he lives in Berlin, in Germany. <laughs> <laughs>